0: After an Islamic extremist takes hostages at a synagogue, the FBI announces it's puzzlement over motive. A new poll shows half of Americans disappointed with Joe Biden, and Republican Glenn Youngkin takes office in Virginia. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. This show is sponsored by ExpressVPN. It's time to stand up to big tech. Protect your data at expressvpn.com slash Ben. We'll get to all the news in just one moment. First. If you're in a business, you need to be as efficient as humanly possible. You really need to know how to market, right? Marketing is a big thing, and getting in touch with your customers is a big thing. And this is why, if you own a business, you really need to be using text. Local businesses everywhere turn to Podium to do this. Podium makes every interaction as easy as sending a text. Everything that makes your business great can get done faster. Podium isn't just a better way to communicate. It's a better way to do everything. Gathering reviews, collecting payments, even marketing to your customers. Podium makes it all as easy as pressing send. Whenever you receive a call from a telemarketer, have you ever picked one up? However, if somebody texts you, do you sometimes respond? The answer is yes. You won't just free up more time. You will grow your business and get more done. With Podium, you'll close deals with customers before the competition even has a chance to call them back. And certainly before anybody picks up that call. Join more than 100,000 businesses that already use Podium to streamline their customer interactions. Get started for free at Podium.com Shapiro. Or sign up for a paid Podium account. Get a free credit card reader. Restrictions apply. That's Podium.com Shapiro. P-O-D-I-U-M dot com slash Shapiro to get started. All righty. So over Sabbath, there was a hostage situation at a synagogue in a place called Colleyville, which is near Dallas, Texas. And it started with an Islamist radical going into this synagogue and demanding the freeing of a terrorist. And it ended with all of the hostages freed and the terrorist shot dead, the hostage taker shot dead, which is the way all of these situations should end. And God bless the folks from SWAT who put this guy down. And thank God that nobody innocent was injured in this process. Well, according to the local paper, the Fort Worth Star-Telegram, the FBI on Sunday identified the hostage taker in the standoff at a Colleyville synagogue as a 44-year-old British citizen. By British citizen, they mean that the guy is a radical Muslim from Britain. I don't do the names of terrorists on this program. I don't do the names of mass shooters on this program because they are looking for notoriety, so we do not provide that. But this guy was a radical Islamist. He could be heard speaking during a live stream that broadcast a portion of the 11-hour standoff. Died Saturday night after a hostage rescue team breached the building. The four hostages were unarmed. Authorities said Saturday that the hostage taker was killed in the shooting, did not answer a question about whether he was shot by law enforcement or if the gunshot was self-inflicted. The man claimed to have explosives, according to statements he made on live stream videos. President Biden did call this an act of terror. He said there were apparently no explosives. This particular person was demanding the freeing of a woman who is a terrorist. I mean, she's been in prison. She's going to be in prison for the next several decades. Before this Facebook's live stream was taken offline about 2 p.m., an angry man could be heard ranting at times talking about religion. I love the, the, the Star Telegram's description of this. Ranting about Judaism and Islam would be the, the answer to this. The hostage taker apparently was singularly focused on one issue. He repeatedly mentioned his sister and Islam and used profanities. Hilariously, everybody was like, well, he's not actually sisters with the terrorists. Yes, I know. Okay, in religious communities, particularly Islamic religious communities, this is just true, in, in religious communities all over the place, people sometimes call each other brother and sister. It's not like, it doesn't mean they're literally brother and sister. He apparently said, once I have my sister here, let me tell you, I will not take these four guys out. I swear by Allah. So, Islamist radical trying to free a a terrorist. This person was trying to free a person named Afia Siddiqui, a Pakistani neuroscientist who attracted the attention of American law enforcement in the years after the September 11th attacks. Top top FBI and Justice Department described her as an Al-Qaeda operative and facilitator at a May 2004 news conference in which they warned of intelligence showing that Al-Qaeda plans an attack in the coming months. For years, supporters have called for the release of Siddiqui. She was a neuroscientist who's an MIT graduate. She's currently being held. At a women's prison in Fort Worth, she was convicted in 2010 on charges related to the attempted murder and assault of U.S. officers and employees in Afghanistan two years earlier. The hostage taker said a few times he didn't want anyone hurt. He mentioned his own kids. He said repeatedly he believed he was going to die. A couple of his kids were just arrested in Great Britain. This person was apparently from the Blackburn area of Lancashire. A rabbi with the Simon Wiesenthal Center said in a statement Sunday they believed the hostage taker was able to enter the synagogue by posing as a homeless man. And this was a, a synagogue, so they said, okay, come on in. And then it turns out that he was, in fact, a hostage taker. Now, what is amazing about this particular situation is that it is not particularly surprising. The reason that it is not particularly surprising and the reason that synagogues all over the United States have security is because there are a lot of people who target Jews because they are anti-Semites, because they hate Jews. It is not a giant, giant shock. And this particular hostage taking shouldn't have been Supremely surprising, at least over the issue of Afia Siddiqui, because this has been a cause celeb in the Islamist community for a very, very long time, as well as among left wing allies. National Review had a piece by Sam Westrop in September titled Islamists Exploit Western Progressives Hand Wringing to Support Their Own. Siddiqui was known as Lady Al Qaeda and is supposedly a victim of the security state's cruelty. Sadiqi earned the moniker in 2004 after the FBI named her as one of seven senior al-Qaeda figures plotting attacks against the United States. FBI Director Robert Mueller described her at the time as an al-Qaeda operative and facilitator. Years later, Sadiqi was captured in Afghanistan. Upon her arrest, investigators found handwritten notes that referred to a mass casualty attack, and that listed various locations in the United States, including Pluma Island, the Empire State Building, the Statue of Liberty, Wall Street and the Brooklyn Bridge. Other notes in Siddiqui's possession referred to the construction of dirty bombs and discussed various ways to attack enemies, including by destroying reconnaissance drones, using underwater bombs and deploying gliders. In the lead up to her trial, Siddiqui, who hated Jews, demanded that Jews be excluded from the jury, claimed claiming the entire prosecution had been orchestrated by unnamed Jews. She was sentenced in 2010 to 86 years in prison after the jury found that Siddiqui attempted to murder Americans serving in Afghanistan as well as their Afghan colleagues. Since her conviction, a bunch of jihadist groups have demanded her release. Apparently, the Taliban offered to exchange Siddiqui for captured U.S. Army Sergeant Bo Bergdahl. ISIS also offered to exchange prisoners, as did al-Qaeda, Indeed, the Pakistani regime has long been a leading voice in the cultural East Siddiqui, with tacit support from elements of the regime for jihadist groups such as the Taliban and Yaish e Mohammed. Siddiqui was linked to both groups. Pakistani Prime Minister Yusuf Ghazza once referred to Siddiqui as daughter of the nation. Siddiqui was a beacon to Islamists everywhere. European jihadist tied charitable convoys to Syria named vehicles after her. In 2018, one jihadist even attempted an attack on the federal medical center Carswell in Fort Worth in an attempt to free her. So this is not even the last time, this is not the first time that somebody has attempted to free Lady Al-Qaeda by engaging in violent action. A wide variety of lawful American Islamist groups and clerics, many of whom have grown increasingly close to Pakistan over the past decade, also now campaign on Siddiqui's behalf. This includes a bunch of major American Islamist organizations. Okay, so this has been sort of a cause celeb among left-wing advocates as well as Islamist advocates for quite a while in the United States. And yet the narrative in the middle of this particular hostage-taking is that we had no clue what was happening. And in fact, anybody who suggested this might have to do with the innate anti-Semitism of Islamism is is somehow Islamophobic. Now, this is a bizarre contention because I was actually texting with uh, a a Muslim friend of mine on Saturday night And he was saying that he was praying, obviously, for the freeing of the Jews who'd been taken hostage, because it turns out that a huge number of Muslims are not in favor of people taking Jews hostage in order to free terrorists. I know, shocker, shocker, there are many Muslims who are not in favor of this. But for a a wide swath of the left-wing media and for many of the Muslim voices promoted by the mainstream media, the idea that this has anything to do with Islamism, which which is a radical form of Islam that unfortunately has many adherents around the world, that if you mention this sort of stuff, this makes you an Islamophobe. No, it does not. And one of the people who was pushing the left-wing perspective was Wajahad Ali, who used to be on CNN. He tweeted, you're about to hear some ugly and vicious Islamophobia and anti-Muslim bigotry this weekend from elected officials, commentators, and even mainstream media. Hope I'm wrong. People will use it to divide Jewish and Muslim communities for their political agenda. Don't fall for it. Yes, whenever Jews are taken hostage by a radical Muslim, the real victims are Muslims, obviously. Islamophobia is obviously the thing we ought to worry about. And this has been a pattern in American public life with regard to a wide variety of crimes for a very long time. If you are identified by the left in the United States as a victim group, if a member of that supposed victim group perpetrates a crime, we are supposed to pretend that it is not a crime or that it is a mystery. We've had the same thing happening with regard to anti-Semitism for years in New York and New Jersey. When a black Hebrew Israelite attempted to murder a bunch of Jewish children in New Jersey, and actually did kill some people in New Jersey, it was treated as a not national story for more than about 25 seconds. When a white supremacist targets Jews at the Tree of Life Synagogue in Pittsburgh, that's a national story because there you have a member of a quote-unquote not victimized group attacking Jews or a more victimized group. Therefore, the intersectional hierarchy has been upheld. The victimized group was victimized. The victimizing group was the victimizer. And therefore, that is a newsworthy story. However, it is not newsworthy when a poor black person attacks a Jew in Williamsburg. If that happens, that is not a story. And if a Muslim attacks a Jew, that's also not a story because according to the left, for some odd reason, radical Muslims attacking Jews is somehow a story of the victimized group attacking the victimizing group. Now, just on a a pure kind of global power level, you have to question why that would possibly be the case. There are well over a billion Muslims on planet Earth. There are a grand total at current of like 15 million Jews on the planet. Muslims are in control of some 57, 58 countries. On planet Earth, Jews are in control of one. Jews are a minority in every country except for Israel. Muslims are a majority in a wide variety of countries. And yet somehow, according to the left, whenever there is a conflict between Jew and Muslim, it must be the Jews who are the perpetrators. And if it's the reverse, then we have to pretend that it's not happening or we have to downplay it. We have to pretend it's some sort of enigma wrapped in a mystery. Again, this has nothing to do with the idea that all Muslims are anti-Semitic or all Muslims are, are, are terrorists or anything remotely like that. That's not true. What it does have to do with is the left's willingness to cover up crimes because it does not back the narrative that they wish to purvey, which is that in the intersectional hierarchy, Jews are the victimizers when posited next to Muslims. And this also has to do, by the way, with the, with the wild anti-Israel sentiment on the left that has now cropped up. You know, the, the re, there, there are a lot of people who wonder why is it that the, the left is so radically anti-Israel these days, considering that Israel is significantly more in line with a lot of the social views of the left than the Muslim world is. In Israel, famously, you can live openly as a gay person in Israel. In Israel, women have tremendous amounts of rights. Israel is very liberal with regard to women's rights. Israel has very liberal abortion law. You, you would figure that the left would be very much in favor of Israel, and yet not so. Why? Well, because essentially leftism is now a, a class conspiracy theory whereby anybody who is successful violated somebody who is unsuccessful, which is how they got successful. Well, that theory sounds a, a lot like anti-Semitic conspiracy theories about Jews in control of the media, Jews in control of world finance, Jews in control of the power centers, and therefore Jews must have victimized somebody in order to achieve their power. The leftist narrative, as applied to Jews more specifically, is the same as the anti-Semitic narrative, which is why there is this stream crossing, and why we have to, the, the minute that Jews are taken hostage, at a a Dallas synagogue, a huge part of the media is immediately like, this is going to be about Islamophobia, isn't it? It's going to be, this is why the the Democratic Party, when Ilhan Omar, who's a radical anti-Semite, when she says a bunch of Jew-hating crap, this is why the Democratic Party immediately has to pass a resolution condemning both anti-Semitism and Islamophobia as though one can't be condemned without condemning the other. It's absurd. And unfortunately, this has bled up into the major institutions of American life. And anti-Semitism can only be taken seriously by the left when the person who is purveying the anti-Semitism is a white person. That is the only time it is worth noting. Which, of course, is bizarre since the vast majority of anti-Semitism pervade on planet Earth right now is not pervaded by white people. I hate to break it to folks, but that is not the case. If there are white supremacists, they're incredibly dangerous. There are white supremacists who hate Jews. They're incredibly dangerous. I know this personally because the FBI arrested a white supremacist about four years ago who was targeting my family and that person's now in jail. Okay, so I, I get it. But the vast majority of anti-Semitism on planet Earth right now is not being purveyed by white supremacists because a, they are a very small number of white supremacists. The vast majority of, of anti-Semitism in terms of hate crime, in terms of action, in terms of broad policy that is being purveyed is being purveyed by radical Muslims or in domestic context, it's being purveyed by people of color. And okay, this is true in New York. But you can't, you can't pay attention to that because anti-Semitism only matters When the people who are promoting the anti-Semitism are people that the left has decided are members of the power class. We'll get to more of this in just one second. First, let's talk about the fact that you're spending too much money on gas because everybody is spending too much money on gas these days. Well, if you could save money by downloading a free app and then just using it, why would you not do this? This is where GetUpside comes in. My listeners are making up to 25 cents for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download that free GetUpside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code Shapiro. Get a bonus 25 cents per gallon on your first fill up. That's up to 50 cents cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump anymore. Get cash back using get Upside. Just download the app for free. Use promo code Shapiro to get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your very first tank of gas. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to 300 bucks a year in cash back, and there is no catch. The cash back gets added directly to your account. You can cash out anytime to your bank account, PayPal, or an e-gift card for Amazon and other brands. Just download that free GetUpside app. Use promo code Shapiro. Get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your very first tank of gas. That is promo code Shapiro. Go check them out right now. Get that GetUpside app and use the promo code Shapiro. Get up to 50 cents per gallon cash back on your very first tank of gas. Okay, so the response from the federal government, the immediate response was bewildering, to say the least. The FBI came out and they made a statement. See if you can spot the problem with this particular statement.
1: We do believe from our engagement with this subject that he was singularly focused on one issue, uh, and it was not specifically related to the Jewish community, uh, but we're continuing to work to find motive, and w- and we will continue on that path.
0: What did it have to do with the Jewish community? What did they... It's part of a broader anti-Semitic conspiracy theory held by radical Muslims, that Jews are in control of all the levers of power. Lady Al-Qaeda literally said it at her trial. She literally said the Jews are behind this. So is it a giant shock that a radical Islamist decided to invade a synagogue and hold Jews at gunpoint, saying that somehow they had the magical weather-controlling power to free terrorists? I mean, it's, it's not a surprise in any sort of way, but we have to pretend that we don't know. By the way, it doesn't just apply to Jews, this sort of logic. Remember that the military for years denied that the Fort Hood massacre, which was carried out by a radical Islamist, that that had anything to do with radical Islam. They said that it was sort of a, they called it a workplace violence incident because for the left, anytime there's a member of a victimized population who commits a crime, we cannot we cannot acknowledge the hatred implicit therein. Because to do so, would recognize that sometimes the quote-unquote victimizing group is actually the victim group. And we can't ever, ever have that. Joe Biden did some of the same stuff. He said, you know, we kind of know why he targeted the synagogue, but at the same time, then he buys it back because this is what Joe Biden does. Do you
2: know why he targeted that specific synagogue?
1: Well, no, I don't. We we don't have, I I don't think there is sufficient information to know about uh, why he, target that synagogue, why he insisted on the release of someone who's been in prison for over uh, 10 years, why he was engaged, why he was uh, using anti-Semitic and anti-Israeli comments. Uh, I, 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 we just don't have enough facts.
0: We don't have enough facts? Um, how about he's a radical Islamist? That's the, that's the only fact you need, which is true. Like, that's it. Done. But he can't acknowledge that. Right? Why is it so tough to acknowledge? I, I don't know, I, I, honest to God, don't understand this. If it had been a white supremacist, who had gone into a synagogue and shot a bunch of people. Do you think Joe Biden would be there like we don't know enough to know his motive? He would just say he's a white supremacist. Of course he was there to shoot Jews. Like, what, wh- why is that in any way a mystery? But somehow, again, it always comes back to the narrative, always and forever. And then Joe Biden turning and swiveled and he blamed guns or something, which is, I- I'm sorry, come on, come on. The guy bought the gun illegally, by the way, as Joe Biden acknowledges. Joe Biden acknowledges this guy literally bought the gun off the street. He didn't walk into a gun shop and then buy it just over the counter.
1: The idea of background checks are critical, but you can't stop something like this if someone is on the street buying something from somebody else on the street, except that there's too, there's so many guns that have been sold of late. It's just ridiculous, and, uh, and it's because of the failure of us to focus as hard as we should and as consistently as we should on gun purchases, gun sales, ghost guns, and a whole range of things that I'm trying to do.
0: Okay, that would have nothing to do with uh, stopping what happened in uh, in. Colleyville. like that—that's that's, that's a that's a ridiculous ridiculous statement by Joe Biden. Again, he does not want to acknowledge the reality. Meanwhile, the New York Times didn't even put this on the front page. So the New York Times front page the day after has a lot of stories, I- including a woman killed after a shove in the subway, and Vladimir Putin could cause trouble not just in Ukraine but in the West. But uh, nothing on the front page about the the attempt to kill four Jews uh, in in Dallas after a twelve hour standoff. Not nothing, nothing there. Kind of kind of amazing. Do you think of a white supremacist that might have made the front page? you think maybe just a little bit? Now, what, what's amazing about all of this from a Jewish perspective, you know, as an Orthodox Jew and someone deeply ensconced in the Jewish community, one of the things that is perfectly obvious from all of this is that there are so many Jews, as a commentary to, uh, to some of my Jewish brothers and sisters, there are a lot of Jews who think that by dissociating from the Jewish community or who think that by ripping on Israel, that somehow they're going to buy the love of anti-Semites all over the world. I'm not saying that you have to take a wildly right-wing position on the same issues that I do. I'm not saying you have to mirror my perspectives. All I'm saying is that for anti-Semites, a Jew is a Jew is a Jew. And it does not matter how much you say that Israel is bad or a quote-unquote apartheid. Signature. No matter how much you fib about that or lie about that, no matter how much you attempt to buy the love of, of leftists who supposedly will treat you decently, the minute that you are victimized by somebody who is higher than you on the totem of intersectionality, on the totem pole of intersectionality, the minute that happens, you become baggage. This particular congregation is a very far left congregation, politically speaking. It's a reform congregation. The rabbi at this congregation is a guy named Charlie Citron Walker, and he's a very progressive dude. According to Forward.com, he was a person who was constantly holding iftar dinners, and he arrived at Beth Israel in 2006, shortly after his ordination from Hebrew Union College Jewish Institute of Religion. He was, a, he was the Small Reform Congregation's first full-time rabbi. He is the kind of person who took his wife's name as like a hyphenated name. And he, he's, a, he's a very left-leaning guy, for sure. And his wife works for a group called the Multicultural Alliance. The couple has two daughters, the younger of whom became bat mitzvah during the pandemic. Before starting rabbinical school, he worked at Focus Hope, a civil and human rights organization in Detroit, and at a soup kitchen and food pantry in Amherst, Massachusetts. There's there a lot of talk about his, his positions with regard to Israel, which are extremely progressive. And this is not to say that he has to hold the same positions that I do. He certainly does not. There's a lot of diversity in the Jewish community about this sort of stuff, no matter how much I think that, that certain perspectives are wrong, and in some cases, even anti-Judaic. The point, that's not the point I'm making. The point that I'm making is when it comes to anti-Semites, they do not care. Anti-Semites don't care, neither does the left. It wasn't like Joe Biden was like, well, he attacked a progressive Jewish synagogue. Therefore, this is anti-Semitism, and, and, we, should, and we should really pay attention to the deep levels of anti-Semitism that paint all Jews with the same brush, et cetera, et cetera. There just is not a lot of that. There's not a lot of that. And the reason there's not a lot of that is because to anti-Semites, all Jews are the same. And when it comes to the intersectional pyramid, which is rooted in identity politics, all Jews are the same as well. The Reform Jews the same as the Orthodox Jew. The pro-Israel Jews the same as the anti-Israel Jew. They're all the same. Because again, when it comes to which group is a victimized group and which group is a victimizing group, which is the only question that matters from the progressive left, Jews are the victimizing group. They somehow moved from being the victimized group to the victimizing group when they became wildly successful and highly educated and when Israel became a successful state in the Middle East. When that happened, all sympathy went out the window for all of this. And so it won't be on the front page anymore. It won't be on the front page. This is something, by the way, that, that Jews have been lamenting for quite a while. Again, their Jew, the, the rate of hate crimes against Jews in 2020, 2021 in New York City was astonishing. And Bill de Blasio had said he didn't even know it was happening. He didn't know it was happening because the people doing it weren't wearing MAGA caps. All right, coming up. We'll get to Joe Biden. Uh, he, uh, the polls demonstrate that Americans are not fond. There, there's a shock. We'll get to that in just one moment. First, when you bring a product into your home, you want to be sure that your hard-earned money is going to a brand that is as good as humanly possible. Here at Daily Wire, we are working overtime to fight for our values. And over at Naturally It's Clean, they are working to keep your home clean in the safest most effective way. Their secret is powerful plant-based enzymes, nature's solution to cleaning. When I say powerful, I'm talking about hospital-grade enzyme cleaning power. They've got solutions for almost every need in the house, from the kitchen to the bathroom to the laundry room. Naturally, it's clean. Has a specialized formula to clean the area effectively. Their products truly speak for themselves. They have the science to back it up. And to make things even better, all of their products are manufactured in the United States and can ship directly to your door for free. I'm encouraging my listeners to start with four of their top products conveniently packaged together in their daily wire essentials kit. For a limited time, my listeners can receive 15% off their order. Just enter promo code Ben at checkout when you visit naturallyitsclean.com slash Ben. Try these incredible products in your home today. Shipping is free. Everything is made right here in the United States. Again, try our Naturally It's Clean Daily Wire 4-pack today by going to naturallyitsclean.com slash Ben. Use promo code Ben to receive 15% off your purchase. Don't delay. Make the smarter, safer choice for your home cleaning needs today with Naturally It's Clean. Okay, so brand new poll out today, and it shows that according to CBS News, half of the respondents say they're frustrated with Joe Biden. Half. When asked in the poll how Biden's presidency made them feel, half of respondents said they were frustrated and disappointed. 40% 40% said his presidency made them feel nervous. A quarter of respondents only said it made them feel calm and satisfied. 25% of respondents said that Joe Biden's presidency made them feel calm and satisfied. Whew, those are hideous numbers. Nearly 75% of those surveys said they felt America was doing somewhat or very badly in a general sense. A majority of people said they disapproved of the way Biden was handling the economy, immigration, race relations, crime, inflation, policing, and Afghanistan. Only 49% of Americans even said he was doing a good job of handling COVID. 51% said he was doing a bad job handling COVID. Only 45% of Americans said they believed that Joe Biden cared about people like them. 54% said they had serious doubts about all of this. Now, by the way, this is still a group of people who are widely favorable to Democrats generally. 61% told CBS News they felt Democrats were concentrating on issues they cared about. 53% said they even liked Biden's Build Back Better plan. They just don't like Biden. They just think that Biden is a bad president who's bad at his job. So, naturally, instead of focusing in on the things that Americans actually care about, Joe Biden and company continue to focus in on things that nobody cares about, namely this lie that they keep promoting that if they do not rig all the voting procedures from the top down federally, the Republicans are going to steal every election from here on in. The problem is they don't even have the support of their own party. James Clyburn the Democratic representative from South Carolina, one of the kingmakers in congressional politics. He said these voting bills are now on life support.
3: Are the election reform bills dead, do you think? No, I don't. Uh, They may be on life support, uh, but, you know, John Lewis and others did not give up after the 64 uh, Civil Rights Act. That's why we got the 65 Voting Rights Act. So I'm going to tell everybody, we're not giving up. We're going to fight and we plan to win because the people of goodwill are going to break their silence and help us win this battle.
0: Okay. Yeah, well, I um, mean, he's not going to win. He started ripping on uh, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Cinema. You know they're desperate when they start ripping on their own party. At this point, they're not even trying to woo Manchin and Cinema. They're just like, those are bad people. Good luck running against your own party in a congressional election in about 11 months here.
3: I know that um, these two Democrats uh, have decided that it is much more important to them uh, to protect the voting rights of the minority on the Senate floor uh, than to protect the voting rights of minorities in this great country of ours. Uh, this great country, the minorities, that made it possible for them to be in the position that they're currently in.
0: I mean, this is wild stuff. Meanwhile, another congressman, Adriano Espayat, he says that there have to be consequences for cinema. What what exactly are those consequences gonna be? That she loses a primary in Arizona and then proceeds to lose a general like really these people it's amazing. They are they are so in their own bubble that they actually believe that this is somehow a winning political strategy.
3: There must be consequences. It's as simple as that. <laughs> the president calls you, and you're gonna derail his top one of his top initiatives. Our vision. Uh, of there's gotta be consequences for this. And uh, you know, they're very, very precise. Uh, they, they fit uh, each state and each leader in very precise ways. And so I'm sure once the consequences are laid out for them, there may be an opportunity for okay. a meeting of the minds, you know, but there's gotta be consequences for this.
0: Yeah, what exactly does consequences look like? Meanwhile, the left wing of the Democratic Party is openly now calling, Kirsten Cinema a white supremacist. So here's MSNBC's Tiffany Cross. Like, really, go for this, guys. Seriously, I, I'm, more of this. More of this. Do it.
1: Cinema
3: is a Democrat, but she is in many ways upholding white supremacy. You and I both know what the filibuster was originally used for. I don't think I can roll my eyes hard enough. And you kind of just want to say, girl, bye.
0: Girl, bye. Uh, keep going with this. Seriously, more. More of this. The Democrats are so disconnected from the American people. And then they're surprised when they- We'll get to more on this in just one moment. First, let's be real. French fries, they're the only good vegetable. But- Unfortunately, they're not healthy. They're bad for you. Well, balance of nature, fruits and veggies are the most convenient way to get whole food ingredients every day, like the actual vegetables that that count toward what you should be eating. Balance of nature uses an advanced cold vacuum process that encapsulates fruits and veggies into whole food supplements without sacrificing those natural antioxidants. The capsules are completely void of additives, fillers, extracts, synthetics, pesticides, or added sugar. The only thing in balance of nature's fruit and veggie capsules or, you know, like the fruits and the veggies. Right now, my listeners can get 35% off their first order, and they'll also get a free fiber and spice supplement. Balance of Nature's fiber and spice supplement is a revolutionary fiber drink with a unique blend of 12 spices and whole foods. I've been flying pretty much constantly for the last few months. Gotta tell you, I really rely on balance of nature. There's never been an easier way to make sure you're getting your daily dose of fruits and veggies. Experience balance of nature for yourself today. Go to balanceofnature.com, use promo code Shapiro for 35% off your first order as a preferred customer, plus get a free bottle of fiber and spice. That's balanceofnature.com, promo code Shapiro, for 35% off that first preferred order, plus that free bottle of fiber and spice. lose. Meanwhile, in Virginia, Glenn Youngkin just took office. Glenn Youngkin immediately got rid of all conversion, uh, got rid of all critical race theory in Virginia law. And there was some in Virginia law. He immediately moved to get rid of masking of children in his state. And this is what you guys brought about. And the Democrats decided to go left. You will get Republican governors in states like Virginia. Here's Glenn Youngkin talking about removing politics from the classroom in his inauguration.
1: We'll start where the future is determined in the classroom. Preparing Virginia's children preparing Virginia's children to be career and college ready. Starting today, we will raise standards. We will remove politics from the classroom and refocus on essential. Yes, we will remove politics from the classroom. And we will focus on essential math and science and reading. And we will teach all of our history, the good and the bad.
0: This is amazing stuff, right? Nothing he's saying here should be remotely controversial, but it is. It is. Ralph Northam, the outgoing governor, in contrast, he says that anytime you mention critical race theory, it's because it's a dog whistle. So Glenn Youngkin is like, we'll teach them all the history, good and bad. And Ralph Northam, who used to dress up in a KKK outfit or blackface, he's like, yeah, you know, whenever you mention CRT, it's because of racism. And Jonathan Capehart at MSNBC is just nodding along, of course.
2: Critical race theory is is nothing more than a a dog whistle. Um, We don't teach critical race theory; it's not a part of our curriculum uh, in K through 12 schools. What it also says, and perhaps more importantly, is that that anger and fear are very strong emotions. And you know, I think their campaign was a lot based on that. Was out there provoking fear and anger in people, and and they responded to it. And and the rest is history. Okay. By the way, I do love the fact that this guy was called upon
0: by everyone to leave office after the blackface KKK incident. And uh, then he said, yeah, one of those people is me, but I'm not sure which. Then he said, neither of those people is me, but I'm hunting the real one-armed man.
2: Uh, Now he says he's a better person, by the way, Ralph Northam. You know, at the end of the day, uh, it was a hurtful time. I am glad that Virginians stuck with me. I can tell you that I am a better person. Uh, I certainly understand uh, racial issues much better than I did prior to that uh, episode. And I and I really think Virginia, more importantly, is is a better Commonwealth, a a Commonwealth that is more open, more inclusive, and and really welcoming to people. Oh, really? Because um, they just rejected your party on
0: mass, like they just got rid of Terry McAuliffe. You left office. I love where he's like, I'm grateful that the people of Virginia stuck with me. What choice did they have, dude? Unless you were going to resign. No one was impeaching you. Your own party controlled the assembly. (laughs) It is fairly incredible. Meanwhile, Glenn Youngkin continues to say very obvious things. So he says, listen, we're going to fight the masking of children. And the left is fighting him on this. It's amazing.
2: Ask order Arlington County Public Schools essentially said it was going to ignore the order. Is there anything you're going to do to make that school system comply?
1: Well, first of all, we wrote the order specifically to give all of the school systems basically eight days to get ready to listen to parents. And the fact that that tweet came out from Arlington County within minutes of my executive order, what that tells me is they haven't listened to parents yet. And if there's one thing that hopefully everybody heard in November is it is time to listen to parents.
0: Man, if he is so right about this and this is good, honestly, this is good politics. Okay, what he's talking about, parents as an interest group, this is good politics. It used to be the parents weren't an interest group. You know why? Because everybody sort of understood that parents needed the ability to raise their own children and that you did not get to control and take away kids from their parents and then indoctrinate them and use them as little social experiments. And then the left like went completely overboard in every available arena. And the further left they, these, these folks push, the worse the backlash is going to get. Hey, Jen Psaki over at the White House, she tweeted out there, hi there, Arlington County parent here. Don't believe you are Glenn Youngkin, but correct me if I'm wrong. Thanks to APS Virginia for standing up for our kids, teachers and administrators and their safety in the midst of a transmissible variant. There is no data that kids are dying in outsized numbers from Omicron. Hey, There's no data to support this. By the way, there's still not a single study that demonstrates that schools that masked had a better record with regard to Delta than schools that did not mask. And that was the Atlantic that reported that. And, and, and yet you have Jen Psaki still pushing this. How crazy are they going? According to Julie Gunlock, who is a co-host over at WMAL, she says in Alexandria, ACP officials are making the mask requirements more strict. That's Alexandria. Alexandria City public school officials are making mask requirements more strict in light of Glenn Youngkin's executive order. No exemptions. All kids must either wear KN95 masks all day or double mask with at least one surgical mask. They're all crazy. These people are all crazy. This is nuts. And my kids at this point, I believe, have all had Omicron. And guess what? They're all fine because they're all children. (laughs) It turns out that children are made of child and children are generally not hurt by this virus, and have not been the entirety of the pandemic. But they really think that the more they control your kids, the better things are going to be. It's incredible. And then they wonder why they're unpopular. By the way, we can also see the writing on the wall when it comes to the left and this sort of stuff. Because if you thought it was bad with critical race theory and trying to teach racial essentialism to your children, what they're about to try and do, the radical left in the United States, because they're doing it in Canada already, to teach your children gender theory and try and pervert your kids, it's insane. Canada just passed a law that they're calling an anti-conversion therapy bill. Okay, and it's it's an insane law. I mean, a, I'm reading the text of it. It is nuts. It is nuts. And you know the left would love to apply this here in the United States. I'll bring that to you in just one moment because it really is not only insane, it's insulting, it is child-destroying this law. We'll get to that in just one moment. First. Right now is a great time to refi your mortgage, like the best time ever to refi your mortgage because the Fed is going to start raising rates soon. When that happens, mortgage rates are going to go up. So if you've been thinking about refining but you haven't pursued it, now would be the time. You need to head on over to American Financing, America's home for home loans. You'll get a free mortgage review from a salary-based mortgage consultant so you can learn about custom loan options before moving forward. No pressure, no obligation, no upfront or hidden fees. Just a simple conversation around your financial goals and the many ways they can save you up to $1,000 a month. Think about that for a second. You could save up to 12,000 bucks a year and tens of thousands long-term simply by refinancing your mortgage. And if you start right now, you can close in as fast as 10 days. Call 866-721-3300. That's 866-721-3300 or visit AmericanFinancing.net nmls182334, nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Go check them out right now. Americanfinancing.net now is an amazing time to refinance. Do not wait any longer. 866-721-3300 or visit americanfinancing.net. Go check it out right now. All righty. We'll get to more in just one moment. This Canada law, I got to talk about it because I think that the left is going to bring it to the United States in short order. I mean, they already are in places like Jersey and California. First, the first event for my new book club, guys, it is this week. It takes place Thursday, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Each month, I recommend a book that is like one of the great books of Western civilization. A great piece of fiction. This is this Fiction Book Club, okay? This month's book is George Orwell's 1984. And uh, I have a lot to say about 1984. I'm sure you will too. Not only will the book club hold you accountable for your reading this year so that you will get a lot done. I mean, I'm telling you, I have the book list because I made it. And let me tell you, if you stick with us, You are going to be so much better read by the end of this year. You'll also get exclusive access to my personal notes and analysis. And then on the third Thursday of every month, I will join a Daily Wire All Access members online for an in-depth lecture and discussion of each book. You can ask me questions directly. Right now, get 25% off an All Access membership with code 1984 over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. Again, you become part of that third Thursday book club right now, become an All Access member, 25% off. The code is 1984 because that's the first book of our new book club. If you haven't already joined, it's not too late to sign up. Just head on over to thirdthursdaybookclub.com. You can receive the materials you will need to participate in my first members-only all-access discussion. Don't forget, head on over to dailywire.com slash subscribe. Join as an all-access member with 25% off using code 1984. I'm excited to hang out and discuss Orwell with you this Thursday, January 20th, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Central. Also, I'm extremely excited to announce the release of the poster for our first original production here at Daily Wire, Shut In, a seat-gripping thriller that will be available to stream in February, just weeks away. The film follows the story of a young mother barricaded inside a closet by her violent ex-husband. She has to use her wits and she has to use her faith in order to get out. We seriously cannot wait to share the finished final product with you. Make sure to catch the final trailer when it drops tomorrow. If you're planning on adding this terrifying thriller to your queue, and you want us to keep making content to combat the over politicized mainstream entertainment complex, go like and share the trailer on YouTube. Your support makes an enormous difference. Also, as you know, Daily Wire was one of the first in the nation to file suit against the Biden administration's tyrannical backs mandates, and the Supreme Court eventually ruled in our favor. Tune in tomorrow night to catch an all new episode of Backstage. We'll discuss the outcome of the Supreme Court ruling and a lot more. Join me, Jeremy Boring, Michael Moles, Matt Walsh, Andrew Clavin, tomorrow night, 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 p.m. Central on dailywire.com and on our YouTube channel, Daily Wire, you're listening to the largest, fastest growing conservative podcast and radio show in the nation. So, again, what Glenn Youngkin ran on in Virginia and what he's going to govern on is the idea that parents ought to have control over how their kids live their lives, at least up to the point where the kids are age of majority. That used to be just how everyone thought. It is incredible to me that there are so many folks on the left in this country who believe that the right is fighting the culture war. You guys declared a war and then we just said no. That's all that happened. And you can see that the march toward the progressive left continues apace in radical fashion. If you just want to see where the left is going to go, don't look to just California or New Jersey. Look to Canada. So Canada just put into effect a law banning so-called conversion therapy. Now, All these laws on conversion therapy in places like California or New Jersey, when you hear conversion therapy, you probably think of what used to actually be called conversion therapy, where you would actually like tape electrodes to people and then electrocute them if they demonstrated any sign of same-sex sexual attraction, right? You used to think of like a form of torture. That's what most people think of when they think of conversion therapy. They generally don't think of a person who goes into a psychologist and says, I'm struggling with my sexuality. and And the psychologist says, let's talk about that. Okay, but but that is actually what is banned in places like New Jersey and California. You're supposed to only just affirm that the person is has an alternative sexual orientation. Okay, in, in Canada, it just got a lot worse. In Canada, it's really, really bad. So Canada just passed a law that in the United States would have to be found, you would imagine, unconstitutional. It's insane. But this is what the left would like when it comes to how parents are able to parent their kids. With the new law, according to the New York Times, Canada's criminal code Will prohibit forcing someone to undergo conversion therapy, taking a minor abroad to take part, so you can't even take your kid down to the United States to visit a psychologist, and profiting from promoting or advertising the practice. Violations can draw sentences of up to five years in prison. The law was ca- the Canadian government's second attempt last year to bring an end to the quote unquote widely discredited practice, and its third since 2020. By widely discredited, do they mean talking to a psychologist? Because again, there's a difference between a kid coming to you and saying, I'm struggling with my sexuality and you talking to the kid, and taping electrodes to the kid. Okay, but, but the, the attempt to conflate all conversion therapy with like the actual horrible evil conversion therapy that used to be practiced is ridiculous. Here's what the Canada law actually says. I'm going to read you the text, okay? Because you'll see how insane this is. Here's what the Canada law actually prohibits. You ready? They define conversion therapy, which is now banned and punishable by five years in prison. It means a practice, treatment, or service designed to change a person's sexual orientation to heterosexual. Change a person's gender identity to cisgender. Cisgender means that your gender aligns with your biological sex. So in other words, if you have a kid and your kid says, you know, I think I might be a girl and your kid's a boy. And you take them to a therapist and the therapist says, let's talk about this because you're actually a boy. That therapist could now be in violation of Canadian law and go to jail for five years. That's what they're doing in Canada. If you bring a confused adolescent in who's struggling with sexuality and confusing thoughts, and you say, you know, you might be straight and you might grow out of this, that could be conversion therapy. Notice, by the way, that it only works one way. And right? if, you, if you go to a therapist in the, in the, and you say, you know, I'm confused about my sexuality. I think I'm straight, but I'm having some, some same-sex sexual attraction. And the therapist says, you're, you're gay. Just let it, you're gay. Then that is not conversion therapy under the Canada law and not punishable. But if you do the opposite, if the person says, I'm confused, you say, you know what? You might be straight. Conversion therapy now. If conversion therapy, it, it means to change a person's gender expression so that it conforms to the sex assigned to the person at birth. So if if a kid comes in, we're talking about children now. If a parent brings a child in, and the child is cross-dressing at the age of eight, and the therapist says, you know, you might want to think about wearing sex-appropriate attire for a variety of reasons, including your own mental health. This is now conversion therapy punishable with jail time in Canada. It goes further. If If you get any therapy in Canada that is, quote, designed, a practice designed to repress or reduce non-heterosexual attraction or sexual behavior. Reduce it. Not even, not even ban it. Not even convert. Reduce it. Which, by the way, is what most parents do with their kids when they don't let them watch pornography, right? Like reducing sexual behavior in your, like you're not allowed to attempt to reduce non-heterosexual behavior I mean, I do that with like like most parents do that with sex, with heterosexual and non-heterosexual behavior in their in their teenagers. Like they don't want their teens having sex, but if you attempt to reduce the sexual behavior in your therapist, this is conversion therapy. Repress a person's non-cisgender gender identity. So, okay, so what this assumes is that all of gender theory is not only factually based, it is biologically ingrained. So, if you're gay, it's absolutely biologically ingrained. Also, if you're a man in a woman's body that's biologically ingrained, but being a man is not biologically ingrained, and being straight is not biologically ingrained. this is this this is what the Canada law suggests. If you attempt to repress or reduce a person's gender expression that does not conform to the sex assigned to the person at birth for greater certainty, This definition does not include a practice, treatment, or service that relates to the exploration or development of an integrated personal identity, such as a practice, treatment, or service that relates to a person's gender transition, and that is not based on an assumption that a particular sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression is to be preferred over another. By the way, it doesn't just apply to the therapist. Everyone who knowingly causes another person to undergo conversion therapy, including by providing conversion therapy to that other person is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for a term of not more than five years or guilty of an offense punishable on summary conviction. Is yes, that can mean a parent. If you, a parent, bring your child into a therapist because your child says that they believe that they're a boy in a girl's body. If you bring that kid to a therapist who's going to pursue watchful waiting and not gender affirmation, you could go to jail now. And now the reason I bring this up is because the left in the United States wants exactly this. This is what the left in the United States would like, because this is the natural outgrowth of their belief that biology somehow applies to both sex and gender, but gender is non-biological and also sex is non-biological, right? None of this makes any sense on an internal logical level. The only ideal here is that they get to control the definition of your child And it only runs in one direction. So this is now the law in Canada. This is now part of Canada's Chapter 24, Criminal Code. That's amazing. Amazing. Okay, and again, this this will happen in the United States sooner or later in states like California. And, And then you wonder why people like Glenn Youngkin are getting elected in Virginia, saying that parents should have power to raise their own children. This is all part of the broader cultural milieu in which we live. You guys declare a culture war where you declare that biological sex is not ingrained and that sexual orientation is utterly unchangeable and unchanging under all circumstances, right? Except if it moves in the direction of straight to gay or straight to bisexual or bisexual to gay, right? You say all of those things and then you say that is enforceable by law. And then you wonder why parents are like, I'm not trusting my kid with any of you people. I'm not trusting you on on race where you say that racial essentialism is a fundamental feature of life. I don't believe that. I don't believe it when it comes to your gender identity nonsense. I don't believe any of this stuff. And I'm not going to allow you to control how I, can, how I raise my kids. This goes back to the, the general belief of the left that they care about your kids more than you do because they know how to raise your kids better than you do, which is a unique thing because I've yet to see people who raise their kids this way with, I would say, highly well-adjusted kids on average. This does not seem like a recipe for the success of the mental health of your child to raise them gender neutral and suggest that all sexual behavior is equally worthwhile. I've yet to see how this is a healthy way of raising children. But apparently it's so healthy, it needs to be mandated by law in Canada and punishable by fine if you violate it. Man, the parental backlash in this country is going to be so strong and it is well-deserved and it is absolutely coming. It is absolutely coming. And again, Glenn Youngkin is one aspect of that. Ron DeSantis is another. Keep going with this, guys. Keep going. Okay, meanwhile, the the president of the United States continues to flounder when it comes to Omicron. So Omicron continues to rush through the United States. On average, it's not killing all that many people because the infection fatality rates for Omicron are pretty low. But now you have the the CDC recommending that everybody wear N95 or KN95 masks forever. The level of control these folks wish to cram down on you truly is an amazing, amazing thing. And, and the way that they're going to do this is they're going to try and scare you. I'm not sure why their, their strategy to scare you is, is worthwhile, but they, they are going to try to scare you. The Associated Press says, get ready to learn more Greek letters. Scientists warn that Omicron's whirlwind advance practically ensures it won't be the last version of the coronavirus to worry the world. Every infection provides a chance for the virus to mutate. Omicron has an edge over its predecessors. It spreads way faster. Experts don't know what the next variants will look like or how they might shape the pandemic. They say there's no guarantee the sequels of Omicron will cause milder illness or existing vaccines will work against them. Okay, well, isn't that a case for everyone to sort of get Omicron? Isn't that the case? Get the mild version, not the more severe version and get some natural immunity. But we can't pursue this logically. Instead, we just have to scare the hell out of you. Good luck with that. All right, we'll be back here later today with an additional hour of content. Coming up soon is The Matt Wall Show. It airs 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Be sure to check it out over at dailywire.com. I'm Ben Shapiro. This is The Ben Shapiro Show. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Help spread the word about The Ben Shapiro Show by giving us a five-star review and sharing the show with a friend. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to check out some of our other Daily Wire shows. The Ben Shapiro Show is produced by Elliot Feld, executive producer Jeremy Boring, our supervising producer is Mathis Glover, and our production manager is Pavel Wydowski, associate producer Bradford Carrington. Editing is by Adam Saievitz. Audio is mixed by Mike Koromina. Hair and makeup is by Fabiola Cristina. Production assistant, Jessica Kranz. The Ben Shapiro Show is a Daily Wire production. Copyright Daily Wire 2022.
1: Today on the Matt Wall Show, Canada has just effectively criminalized biblical sexual morality and biological science. They call it a ban on conversion therapy. We have laws like this in the United States as well, uh, but they're not what they first appear, so we'll look at that today. Also, we'll discuss the jihadists who took hostages at a synagogue in texas but the fbi biden and the media are pretending to be puzzled about his motives i mean why could he have possibly done this and if glenn youngkins first day as governor is any indication then uh, he's going to have a brilliant tenure we'll talk about what he did on his first day and what is an after-school satan club exactly we'll find out today unfortunately and much more on the matt Walsh show